0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the U.S.S. and Benjamin Sisko, the Federation Starbase Deep Space Nine. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison.
1: I'm Adam Pranica.
0: How are you doing?
1: Felt a little newsy with the open today. <laughs> like we're the co-hosts of some local news team
0: yeah deeply unpopular every morning people wake up and tune to the other channel because we're over here on this channel
1: but that gives <laughs> us the freedom to be to be fun just to keep yeah. it light
0: really uh explore the space in the <laughs> dumb television studio we work in
1: <laughs> it's all dog stories and Everything human interest. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> yeah. That's us. The human interest story of Star Trek podcasts. <laughs> you drinking anything over there? Yeah, I got I, I know
0: this is a regular app, but...
1: Yeah, we're doing a... We frequently do pod fairly early in the day all things considered and uh yeah all things considered also it uh, records early in the day that's why i said that <laughs> uh i am yeah i'm drinking a freem mexican lager which is Ooh, my that's your fave it's kind of been a, a regular go-to for me lately it's the it's a as you've commented an extremely light looking lager beer
0: yeah it almost looks like a like a white wine it's so like yeah it's true. I'm having some uh, some beers that friends of Dr. brought to us on our recent Canadian tour leg.
1: Oh right, you uh, got all of those
0: in the yeah, di- in you, the Post
1: Canada divorce.
0: You were too uh, scared to put any any beverages in your luggage, so I took it upon myself to bring all
1: these beers home. Did they all make it back unexploded? Yeah, they're cans, dude. Dude, a can no. exploded in my bag. It was a can? Yes. <laughs> Oh man! That's I thought why- it was a bottle. No, that's why I was uh, I was extremely gun shy about packing beer cans in my bag.
0: Well, I the uh, to I-, I took I took the precaution of putting it in a uh, double layer of uh, hotel plastic laundry bags. Great call. But uh, I did not have any explosions. Uh, I'm drinking a couple of beers from the Whitewater Brewing Company of Ottawa Valley, Ontario. Um, I've got a Legion lager, and then I've got the Farmer's Daughter. Blonde Ale, it says. Yeah? Yeah. So that's what I'm drinking.
1: They sound pretty crushable, are they?
0: Yeah, uh, the, I'm, I'm enjoying both of them.
1: We had plenty of great beer up in Canada.
0: They know how to do it up there, you know?
1: Yeah, we had, uh, we hung out with some, some new friends of ours at that Edmonton show, especially, who, like, stocked our, uh, our green room with, like, their... Some of their favorite brew dogs.
0: Yeah, the folks that picked us up at the airport for the Edmonton show had uh, had like a handmade sign about being friends of DeSoto. Yeah. And we were a little worried that they were going to harvest our organs, but instead they gave us a bunch of delicious beer. And I have some of that in my fridge as well.
1: That was a moment where you did a bit with a stranger and the bit worked. All I do is
0: bits, bits, bits. No what. Yeah, I mean,. They weren't strangers. They were friends of DeSoto. They were ready for my dumb bits. Yeah,
1: they really were. Adam and Samantha were were great friends to us for the duration of the Up and Downtown Festival.
0: Yeah. Man, it was so cool to go to Edmonton and, and play to like a real full room yeah. like that. The, and we got to go on our friends uh, uh Graham and Dave's podcast, Stop Podcasting Yourself the Night Before, which was also a ton of fun.
1: We got to t- thank uh, Brent Oliver, who was the guy who booked us for that up and downtown festival. A, also, yeah. a friend of DeSoto. We got to do one of the rare, like, backstage pictures with someone's family, yeah. like including small children, which is is kind of a rarity for us. Yeah, it was really funny. Uh,
0: the I think his son didn't want to be in the picture, so he held the camera, but uh, his daughter was cool with it. Smart kid. Yeah, yeah, that son's <laughs> going places. Yeah. <laughs> And we you know, like the photo, they can Photoshop the daughter out of it. You know, sure, yeah, probably want to. Uh, I think that's probably enough, Marin, for one
1: day, right? I think so too. Let's talk about this app. Peldor joy to you, Adam, and a hearty Pell door joy to you, Ben. It's season three, episode
0: ten. Fascination.
1: Do you realize how incredible
0: this is? <laughs> no. Of course you don't. Jake Cisco is uh, having a full-blown like teenage love bum out in his Ooh. room, looking at some jewelry that Marta gave him. They're on the outs.
1: He's smelling the the like stamp that goes through her ear. <laughs> <laughs> like because it, it's an earring, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it is an earring.
1: I think the thing I miss most about Marta. Is the smell of those ear holes.
0: <laughs> Her ear piercings have a particular smell? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she got into college, though, and uh, she has done what I did when I went to college, which is pick a school as far from everyone I know as I could possibly get.
1: Yeah, but you didn't pick a school that was two planets away from regular one. She got accepted to the regular three science academy. No shit, I didn't. Uh, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, she's probably studying at like the Carol Marcus Hall, and I, uh, I've and heard like, that
0: the bars around that campus have great apple cider. <laughs> <laughs> They're cultivating a lot of apples in that system, Adam. A lot of apples.
1: <laughs> Boy, uh, you definitely want to go to the campus gymnasium named after the super jacked guy. <laughs> <laughs> it one. <laughs> it's just all arm machines <laughs> leg day what's that <laughs> <laughs> is jake looped here he sounded really weird in this oh. open. turns out i don't have much to be grateful for
0: he is lying down which does change the quality of your voice sure but maybe maybe he was lying down and it sounded even weirder and they looped him because
1: of that yeah yeah, I thought that might be the case. The advice that
0: Cisco gives him is like, you're 16, you'll survive. That's like the last thing you want to hear as a 16-year-old, right?
1: We're supposed to believe that Ben Sisko is a cool dad who has, like, the best relationship with his son. And this is an instance of, like, him being regular dad. Buck like, up their sport. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's always another train coming. Plenty of fish in the sea, kiddo. Yeah, like this is this is too basic for Ben Sisko.
0: I think that that time in life when when you like a, another person and and you get shut down or you break up, you know, whatever. I mean, I didn't break up with anybody at that age. Nobody was nobody was dating me in any capacity where a breakup would be necessitated. But a couple of times I like asked a girl to dance at a dance or something and I got shut down and uh, and it hurt. It hurt in a big way. I y- You
1: can't imagine life going on after that. I resent Deep Space Nine as, as a program, as a project, for giving us the idea that Marta was going to be a going concern, establishing her in name and and reputation only and then giving us an episode with her where things go so well only to unceremoniously like dispose of her like this
0: yeah she's just written off the show
1: i think that's fucked up i don't like it at all i think you have to bring her back for this episode
0: i think Sirach lofton plays this scene super well though like he understands yeah. what jake is going through and he really puts it all on the screen
1: i feel like they told sirak lofton look act like how you feel about Marta not being brought back to this episode like <laughs> be that upset about it. Yeah you guys are not gonna have a kissing
0: scene ever
1: again. I think the reason that Marta is not in this episode is because if she were the makeouts would be hypersexual.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's probably what it is. Yeah. Uh, we also get a breakfast hang with Bashir and Chief O'Brien. I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. And O'Brien is—he reveals like he—he kind of came up with this thing a few episodes ago to like have Keiko go reconnect with her highest calling, which is to be a botanist. Be a botanist, Keiko. And. The idea was she, she was just going to be on Bajor, so, like, no big deal to, like, visit on the weekends. Well, oh, Bajor's only three hours away in a runabout. We can manage. She's been gone for two and a half months, and they have not seen each other at all.
1: And like any couple who's been away for a long time, I think they've seeded some expectations about what might happen on this weekend furlough. Ben, if you know uh uh-huh. with any certainty that there will be sexy times happening. Yeah. What do you place as your limitation on cups of coffee ahead of time?
0: <laughs> you know, I know that there are there are folks that get smelly when they have too much coffee. Oh, I've They're, never
1: heard of this. What? Like they smell like coffee or smell like something else?
0: Yeah, I think they smell like, a, like coffee grounds coming out of their pores or something. <laughs> what? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Is
1: that not what you're talking about, Adam? I feel like or Are you you're... talking about
0: coffee making you need to poo?
1: I'm talking about that. I feel like this is this is playing with brown fire.
0: Well I try not to brag about this, Adam, especially around you. Is this
1: another story of your great sexual prowess, Ben?
0: It's uh, it's more of my colonic prowess, <laughs> which is that I have an extremely regular schedule. W slash R slash T elimination. (laughs) It happens in the morning, and it is not a concern for the rest of the day.
1: Wow. What must that be like?
0: I don't know. Yeah, like I hear people talking about it, like, oh, I got to make sure, you know, before
1: I get in a long car ride. I'm like, really? I've got a shit of Damocles above my head (laughs) 24-7, man. A butthole of Damocles. Yeah, that's no fun. Like I said, I,
0: I w- I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to say, like, where I'm coming from is, yeah, have all the coffee you want, O'Brien. Oh, you know, wow. have one in the afternoon for all I care. Yeah, gonna, it's going to. I'm not going to change anything.
1: Extra energy. He's ready. I realize
0: now, Adam, that I need to check my regularity privilege.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How dare you toilet signal me. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the scene with Bashir and O'Brien because there's some unspoken stuff happening here which is that like they are they have become each other's relationship proxy because Bashir has not been able to to find himself in a regular relationship and because O'Brien's wife is absent they rely on each other for companionship and it's like not sexual obviously but like They spend a bunch of time with each other Time that would otherwise be spent probably Alone and Frustrated Playing Spider-Man on Playstation 4 You know like
0: you don't want to do that The entire time They're leaving it all out there on the racquetball court Speaking of unrequited loves Odo (laughs) Walks up to Kira who's uh, Out on the promenade helping the Bajorans Decorate for this big festival that's coming up
1: Peldor joy Odo
0: Eldor Joy to you too, Major. It's a very like high school, like I'm going to go kick it to this girl kind of thing where he kind of invites her on a date, but... There's plausible deniability on the on this being a date. Like, yeah. if you're not busy later and you're going to be at the festival, I will also be at the festival. Perhaps we will uh, do festival together or whatever. I mean, no big deal if not, but just saying. And she says, yeah, like, I'll be at the festival with my boyfriend, Vedic Burail.
1: That everyone knows is my boyfriend.
0: Did I ever tell you about the time that in high school that, like, I had a crush on a girl for like a year like a solid year, like 12 months, like a, a summer went by in the midst of this crash that I did not see her at all because she lived very far from me. And at some point, like in, in the middle of a school day, I was like, I don't know what I'm waiting for. You know, she doesn't have a boyfriend. I'm just sitting here. I got to go ask her out. I got to go do it. And I was like down by like the tennis court or something. And I decided to like walk to the main school building, see if she was around and on my way to, like, the main school building, a, a friend, a mutual friend passing the other way goes, Ben, you hear Steve asked Edie out? They're going together now. Like, that news just, like, dropped out of the sky on my head the second I, like, got up enough nerve to go, like, do something about what I was feeling.
1: Wow. Yeah. What timing. Amazing. I
0: mean, saved me a big scoop of hurt. You take you know? a different
1: route to yeah. that destination and... Things that differently for you
0: yeah, oh oh thanks Mike thanks for telling me I'm just going to the bathroom. I wasn't doing anything but that Wow <laughs> Odo does not get the same courtesy in this moment. he just like has to stand there with a plate of shit under his nose <laughs> when I uh, when he finds out that uh that Barail is on his way to the station.
1: It's a different thing, right there's a difference between an infatuation with someone that is. You know undeclared and an interest in someone who is taken yeah and it's interesting that they've chosen to take the second route with odo
0: because she wasn't always taken and they yeah. didn't telegraph any of the interest that he now very visibly has in her then
1: i think part of it is that vedic brawl fucking sucks <laughs> and and everyone knows it and especially odo that's yeah. that's the third thing right it's like the first thing, unpronounced love for someone. The second thing, love for someone who's already connected. Third thing is love for someone who's with someone who sucks.
0: Yeah, that was the toughest thing about uh, that girl in high school was uh the guy that she ended up with. Like I ran into her like a solid 10 years later in a coffee shop in New York, like just out of the blue, I like turned around and there she was. And uh I did not have a uh, relationship of any kind at the time. And I said, wow, amazing to run into you here. Like, uh, what are you doing? Like, w- like catch me up on your life. And she's like, still with Steve. Oh, no. And, did she say totally, it like that? No, but like. <laughs> Can't the, get rid of him. <laughs> they were like high school sweethearts who ended up together uh, in a way that I like admired, you know?
1: Yeah. Guess.
0: <laughs> cotton so, so Kira and O'Brien wind up waiting at the door to the airlock together going, uh, uh, oh, who are you waiting for? Kago. Ah, Brian. Good luck. And then the, the door slides open and it's like, it's still facing them in a way that like, you could almost hear like the record scratch. And I was so ready for the camera to turn around and cut to Keiko and Beryl making out in the airlock. (laughs) Like, I couldn't believe that it didn't happen. It was, like, so perfect for that, but also I understand why (laughs) it didn't happen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is a really well directed scene, and this is an Avery Brooks directed episode, and so there are a lot of interesting choices being made throughout, and this A versus B scenario only serves to underscore how painful it is when things aren't going great in a relationship like to have to have new love next to worn in love right
0: like quotidian married love it's uh, hard to compare those two yeah because Keiko is totally fucking wrung out from traveling with a small child, which I can only fucking imagine how exhausting that is. The kid is sick. She like boots in Miles's lap the second he says hi to her. Yeah. And the fuck fest that you're waiting for as the dude who has been living the bachelor lifestyle for two and a half months is fully called off in like 10 seconds flat, you know? As
1: soon as Molly bars on your junk, like, that's that's done. It's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: The, uh, the couple of days, like, you, you may sneak something in by the end of day two, but <laughs> long odds on anything going down in, in this visit <laughs> at that point.
1: Nothing and no one is going down this weekend, <laughs> O'Brien.
0: And a further slide whistle... Because uh, it is revealed, like, the thing that has made Keiko the most stressed out on this trip is she had that person next to her in the seat on the airplane that insists on talking.
1: Oh, boy. Loxana definitely seems like the type that would not regard that you're wearing earphones on a plane and will, like, tap on you to have a conversation.
0: This is maybe a corollary to the first rule of Greatest Gen. Yeah, it's a uh, you know. This is uh, obviously a. like do not lean your seat back is is the most important part of that rule. Yeah. But that thing of somebody is sitting next to me and therefore I am entitled to have a conversation with them. Not a thing. Not a thing. You had a recent experience with this on uh, on one of our tour legs. Am I
1: right? This was the Minneapolis to Toronto leg, is what this was, and. I was sitting next to a lady who was, I mean, super nice, but that was part of the problem (laughs) because I was listening to podcasts and staring out the window from my window seat and she wanted to talk and was not taking headphones for an answer. Right. She was like, she was talking through the headphones, like looking at me and talking and like I had to take them off because to wear them would, would be weird. Like... She totally forced it. And it wasn't, like, urgent conversation about anything in particular. She was like, so how long, how much longer do you think the flight is? And I was (laughs) like, well, I think we were all told it was an hour and 45 minutes. I think there's a uh, screen directly in front of you on the back
0: of the seat that you're uh, sitting behind that can tell you everything you need to know about that.
1: I mean, and I understand if she's, like, a nervous flyer or whatever, and, and, like, I... I don't I don't feel like she's a bad person for this and I don't feel like people are bad people for doing this, but like there's like Which there's, is why it's not the
0: top line of the rule.
1: It's the etiquette of being in public or being with other people in a confined space that I think is is sometimes lost right. on people.
0: And it's like, you know, the person you're tapping might have some uh some hang up or social anxiety or need to focus on whatever they're whatever they're doing, you know? It's it's like uh it's you know, when you edit an episode of this show, you send it to me to uh to QA before we publish it. And uh, occasionally I will be doing the work of listening to your episode, which is always fun for me. You know, I, I love hearing how you edit it and, and the drops you put in and it's it's an enjoyable experience, but To to all outward appearances, my wife sees me walking around the house with headphones on. She's like, "Ben is being an asshole right now, right?" And wants to talk to me and have a conversation. And it is hard uh, for the the casual observer to see (laughs) (laughs) what what is happening as anything but just you know you shutting the world out for no good reason.
1: Why didn't my seatmate know I was listening to stop podcasting yourself? Like that's what she <laughs> needed to understand. That yeah. could not be interrupted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, how are you? How are you supposed to be hear overheards when you're overhearing her bullshit?
1: <laughs> ben, there's a great big event on DS Nine. It's the Bajoran Indigenous Peoples Festival, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise known as the Gratitude Festival, which. Which feels like a very Thanksgiving-adjacent-type situation.
0: We need to cook up a new holiday for the summer. Something with uh, gifts, cards, assorted gougables. Yeah, it's like Yom Kippur and Thanksgiving kind of rolled up into one. You're writing your problems down on a scroll and letting them burn away.
1: I like seeing this kind of event. You rarely got anything like this on the sterile Starship Enterprise-D. Like... Yeah. It it's fun to experience this culture in this way with with a celebration and a parade and yeah. and a band and stuff. This is great.
0: You know how like uh, airports and hospitals sometimes have like a interdenominational chapel? Mhm. Do you think the D
1: has something like that? Yeah, I think so. I think it would have to.
0: Now you're asking me to send them back into the dark ages of superstition and ignorance and fear. No. Do you think that Deep Space Nine has something like that? Or is it all Bajoran religion?
1: I mean, if I had, if I were a betting man, and I am, I think I would bet on Bajoran.
0: Do you think that there are people on Bajor that believe in a different religion that also arose on Bajor? Or is everybody the same religion
1: on Bajor? I see where you're going with this, Ben. And I like it. Because, <laughs> because the idea that... Uh, because
0: everybody knows knows the old adage: there are no atheists in a Bajor hole.
1: The idea of like an entire planet observing a single homogeneous religion is, it seems, kind of far fetched
0: and semi horrifying. Like, and what did they do to get to that?
1: Rife point? for conflict, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Oh yeah! Everybody else that believes something not this, we killed. Yeah. <laughs> is basically what that implies.
1: Yeah. Loxana Troy is there because she heard about the founders situation
0: she's undergone interstellar travel to go comfort odo in his time of need which is it's a weird thing of like emotional intelligence and emotional stupidity at the same time on her part because she wants to be there for him and like comfort him but also like everything he is feeling at about it is something that she imagines he must be feeling about it.
1: Right. You poor, sweet, tortured man. This knowledge that she comes across seemed very far-fetched to me, Ben. And so I did a little bit of research. <laughs> oh, no. What I found was there were uh, there were lines of dialogue removed, wherein... Lwaxana Troy discloses that she and Admiral Nacheev.
0: Admiral Nacheev and Valerian canopies?
1: It's Admiral Necheyev. Are those Valerian canopies? Admiral Nachev. Well, uh, canopies my ass. That's a mixed cracker in chopped liver. <laughs> Are great friends. Whoa. Kindred spirits is what she called them and said that uh, she heard about it from Necheyev. She heard about this founder situation from her. Wow, do you think that uh, she and Necheyev like a a nice uh, chopped liver on a ritz cracker? I think uh, I think they enjoy some some canapes together, and they just dish, they just get together and dish, Ben. I love the
0: the mental image of Admiral Necheyev and Ambassador Troy just yeah. kibitzing, yeah. over some over some Valerian canapes. Absolutely. Fun. Why didn't they give us that that great gift? Every time there's a a La episode, Star Trek like looks right into the camera. Like in this episode, it is Keiko doing atomized to camera, <laughs> right, <laughs> right before the theme drops. It's that. What does that mean? Fu- it's that you know the 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 look on your face when we're getting out of a particularly bad ride chair or something like that. <laughs> Uh, or or you get off an airplane that you've just had to talk to somebody the entire time. I just love doing. that
1: atomized to Ben camera is a is a thing now. That's <laughs> canonical greatest gen.
0: yeah. it is Trek being self-aware that this is an obnoxious character that is obnoxious for everybody, including the viewer. yeah and yet somehow we write it in frequently and we cannot quit Loxana episodes. As a as a franchise,
1: <laughs> I wish I knew how to quit you. Yeah, I mean uh, Star Trek royalty. Like yeah. when the, when the pocket shows up on set, yeah, gotta put her in the show.
0: She's really there to to make Odo feel better, and he doesn't really. He's also the kind of man that doesn't really know how to accept a an emotional gift like this. He's not a vulnerable person, generally speaking, and. He got pretty vulnerable with her that one time in the elevator, but what that meant for her was we are deeply connected for the rest of our lives, and she lays that all on him. And when she, the second she walks out of frame, he rolls his eyes so hard I was worried his
1: retinas were going to detach. <laughs> and yet Odo's reaction to her makes me feel sorry for Loxana and I think that. Speaks to the strength of her performance. We've spent a lot of time talking about the myriad problems we have with with Luxana Troy episodes. Yeah, the idea that those episodes are criticized separately from the idea of her as a character or <laughs> Major Barrett as an actor—like those are all separate criticisms, I think—and right. I think we all we feel differently about each one of those things. I think. Loxana does great work in this ep and part of the reason that her character has pivoted from punchline to tragedy is the unrequitedness of her affection like that she loves so hard on people that it makes them uncomfortable it, yeah. it repulses them yeah to be quite honest about it that is in a,
0: pale.
1: a pale Mr. Bucket I have to revert back to my
0: the other thing that happens early in this episode is a pretty hot and heavy Kira Barile hang.
1: You said hot and heavy.
0: And we've seen a bit of this before. One thing that I think didn't happen previously in these like Kira kind of luxuriating on on a couch and Barile smooching with her is that I don't think he was in his priest robes before. It is really weird to see a gentleman and a lady making out when the gentleman is dressed as a man of the cloth. Right. Like, you never see that. And I know that in some religions it's not frowned upon and in others it is, but, like...
1: You make a great point about, like, off-duty edition Vedic Braille. There's also off-duty edition Major Kira, who arranges her hair in a kind of George Clooney from dusk till dawn motif. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like there is real, there are real choices being made by both of them about, about how they change out of work clothes and work hair. The transition from work hair
0: to off-duty hair could not be more exciting for me when it is what Kira is doing.
1: I think Kira's hair choices are great every time, including here.
0: Yeah. Extremely exciting. Um... (laughs) and she's out of uniform for most of the ep right she's yeah. like she's got a special position this year in deep space nine's celebration of this festival so you know she's uh she's wearing her uniform in that first scene when odo stops by to have her obliviously shut him down but for a lot of the rest of the episode she's in her civvies
1: she's sort of uh, like the grand marshal of the parade she is she has that kind of role in the festivities she gets to read a speech she yeah. gets to light the torch. She starts the whole thing off. Little
0: detail gets peppered in that Brail is actually pretty pleased with how uh, Kai Wynn is running things.
1: So <laughs> I thought that was the reason that that Kira was like, "Hey, I got to go, go to work." That's <laughs> my uh, my lady boner has totally deflated hearing that. <laughs> but there's this kind of a skeevy moment here that that goes by really fast, which is like Fede Barile does that fucking thing where he tries to plant the seed of breaking up a girlfriendship so that the person he's interested in has more time to spend with him. Yeah. What yeah. the fuck, Barile? Fuck you.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a dick move.
1: You that's never no you never want to try to break up a girlfriendship. That will
0: only end in misery for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Do you want to talk about maybe the scariest part of this episode, which is? It's a scene which maybe should have a warning ahead of it for anyone who's married. A trigger warning. Because the
0: scene, the scene where O'Brien is sitting on a on a chair drinking some beer and Keiko walks back into the room.
1: This is a very, very realistic fight between two people who love each other. Like Cause, cause wow. uh, the
0: O'Briens are back at it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was uh god this scene just wrecked me and not because like this is what life is as a married couple but because when it swerves into this area like this is how fraught these moments are when one or the other person believes that they are making concessions to benefit the other like because you know like part of a of a marriage is like giving and taking and sacrificing and like making the other person happy when that is Responded to with resentment, and then that resentment mounts, and then there's like insufficient answers to fairly benign questions, and then like that irritation that someone gets. I'm just getting. I'm getting a panic attack. The more you describe it, right? It's it's like a it's it's terrifying, and to see this happen on screen in such a realistic way, great moment in this app. Hyper realistic.
0: It's the second like really like and it's just it's just Miles and Keiko together like the second scene that we've seen just the two of them directed by Avery Brooks mm-hmm. that is like this the first being i think it's the episode where O'Brien is put on trial where uh th- that first scene is just them in a runabout cockpit, like, headed out on vacation, and...
1: That's right, he did direct that.
0: The dynamic is, like, so intoxicating, and, like, exactly, like, the funnest thing about being in a long-term committed relationship. This is, like, that... Like, it's, like, right on that knife edge of, like, we're supposed to be having fun, and somehow, instead, we're gonna have a fight.
1: I want Avery Brooks directing a rom-com. Like, I think... His ability in this area is expert. I think he's really great at this.
0: Because like she's super wiped out. She's like, I don't like all I've been doing is fucking looking after a goddamn kid making choices all day. And there's a bunch of shit on my plate right now. Like we have to like go do this stupid festival. There's parties, there's people that want a piece of me. I am wrung out. I am not here for this shit i feel exhausted and he's like well let's like make concessions to that like let's let's find a chill way to like service some of our obligations but we don't have to do everything or we could do nothing like whatever you want and she's like i don't want to pick between all of those things just tell me what you want to do
1: and we'll do it miles i've been making decisions all day long
0: and that's a that's a real thing you know I have strong affinities for what Keiko is going through here because I often find that I am, as a function of being a member of a couple, committed to things that aren't necessarily on the top of my list of things to do, but also feel obliged to do them. But also sometimes I'm like psycho emotionally not up for them and it is hard to admit that sometimes and defend yourself against them.
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Part of what makes the scene great is that we are all Keiko and we are all O'Brien.
0: Totally. And if I had a nickel for every time my wife had tried to get me to wear the sexiest clothes I own out to something.
1: Those <laughs> those silk boxers, yeah? I'd be a rich man. <laughs> <laughs> so the Gratitude Festival is is underway and People at the festival are are juggling and rolling balls in their hands. Experts suggest feeling for lumps in the shower when the body is relaxed. A weird amount of like circusy shit is
0: is suffusing the show. Like somehow the the showrunners have really like taken the Ren Fair Kool Aid this yeah. season.
1: The higher, the fewer. Yeah. At a few. Instances during the episode, Loxana has sort of made a gesture to her head in the head-on style fashion. (laughs) Applied directly to the forehead. And Jake makes one of those motions uh, early in the ep, too, after which he makes a hard pass at Kira. Like, capital P pass. I love you, Norris. The sort of bravery of a Tom Riker driving the Defiant into... Into a into ten Cardassian <laughs> ships. Like yeah. Wow.
0: He, he, he wants to duck his defiant in
1: her airlock. Except to Kira, Jake has always been cloaked to her, her to her, right? Like, <laughs> like he she's never seen him on her radar. This comes as a surprise.
0: A big surprise to her, and the funny part of it is that like she kind of misinterprets what he's saying as him asking her for advice about how to kick it to older
1: women. <laughs> But like, you never want to say that to an older woman, right? What are you yeah. doing, Jake? What? But also, he does that like super
0: high school thing of saying first, "I love you," second, "Do you want to go out with me?" Yeah, that is the wrong order, man, and the wrong
1: order by like months. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sirak Lofton is great in this episode because these are fairly thankless things to say. The line on the page is, I love you, go out with me. Like, how many different ways can you do that while still achieving some sort of, like, human moment there? <laughs> it seems really hard to do without yeah. without becoming a punchline. And it's a little bit jokey what's happening here just because of the power dynamic between them. But, like, right. he really is sincere. And his performance is what makes it work.
0: Yeah. It might be the last thing that works
1: in this episode. Yeah. You know what really works, Ben? <laughs> the uh, the scene where uh, Dax and Morn are sitting by the fire fountain and the length of Morn's scroll is comparable to, to his crank. Dax is like, boy, that is a great big scroll you have there. You should really just stick that in the fire. I
0: feel like a lot of ladies would be pretty impressed by that scroll. He's but, got some uh, prodigious I, yeah. scroll. But you can't have it out here in public.
1: <laughs> this is a family event, Morn. <laughs> like, it's such a throwaway scene, but it's yeah. it's great. They do yeah. that right. Very funny. Feels like a while since we've seen Morn. Yeah. Welcome back, Morn. This is also the
0: scene where Burial comes and confesses some sort of schoolboy love for Dex in a way that is very similar to what Jake Sisko just expressed to Kira.
1: And uh, he's headache horny in the way that we now understand this show to work. Like, it's fairly early on in the ep. We've seen two people do head-on. applied directly to the forehead. And now there are some choices being made with respect to uh, romantic interests. And that's unfortunate, Ben, because, like, the secret's out. And what are we, like, ten minutes into the episode?
0: Yeah, I think maybe like fifteen minutes into the episode, like the what is going on is like beyond obvious to anybody that's watched a Loxana episode before. Right. She shows up, she finds Odo listening to a band, she has put on her May I Speak to Your Manager wig <laughs> <laughs> and uh, attempts to seduce him into some dancing. Uh but he is uh he's not really having it. He's not he is not sensitive to the thing. That everybody else is sensitive to. I'm with but, Odo. Uh,
1: how are you supposed to dance to like pan flute and marimba?
0: Yeah. There's no rhythm there. No. Yeah. He wants to drop it like his hot. He wants to shake his ass.
1: They kind of sound like island rhythms.
0: <laughs> one of the most delightful things to me about our time in Edmonton is I walked around one morning and there was a big farmer's market happening. Uh-huh. And there was like a guy with a steel drum playing like some island rhythms at the farmer's market.
1: It was really nice. I like a steel
0: drum. Yeah. One of the most beautiful instruments.
1: Yeah. Sounds nice.
0: When I was in high school, I really wanted to learn it. And I tried to convince my parents to buy me a, a steel drum and like help me figure out a way to take lessons. No interest in their part.
1: You know, of all the instruments that indie rock has co-opted, you've got your your melodica, you've got your pedal steel. Of you've...
0: all of the of all of the artistic expressions that whites have stolen.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> like like the hurdy-gurdy of the arcade fire, like there are all of these things, like cultural appropriations in music. No one has has thought to steal the steel drum.
0: <laughs> when was the last pop song you heard with a steel drum in it?
1: I mean, is it red, red wine?
0: I think it might be the 50 Cent song, P-I-M-P. Oh. Doesn't that have a steel drum in it? But that, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what his cultural extraction is, but I feel like he's, it's less problematic for him to use a steel drum. <laughs> than for the arcade fire to use a hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> rain, come to rain, come to what are you you doing? now?
0: Oh, the- oh, rain,
1: Dax gets a headache. Ben. Uh oh. <laughs> this is the first of many scenes where Dax's off-duty uniform is fairly revealing and beautiful because Terry Farrell is a beautiful person. But one can't help but notice that like, she is showing a little more than most in the ep. And I think this is because of a story that popped up and continues to pop up, which is Terry Farrell's purported reason for leaving the show was... A compounding number of incidents wherein Rick Berman, like, encouraged her to be more sexy, to dress more sexy, to, like, pad her bra. He was very, like, lascivious with her, allegedly, during her time on the show. And she commented on this in that 50-Year Mission book. Oh, And uh, her comments are on the internet for anyone to read, but... Pretty terrible look for Rick Berman. Pretty awful situation that Terry Farrell found herself in. And it's something that, unfortunately, like, colors an episode like this, where her manner of dress is fairly innocuous because it's, like, off-duty Dax, and she's partying, and she's, like, being amorous with people, but, like, you see when it's her it's different because of this story and i think that's too bad and i think that should be mentioned when we talk about her in this context
0: right because you're when you're an actor you're entrusting a lot of personal vulnerability to the people you're working with and a person like Berman is in a position to cause a a love scene to be put in the show to cause a scene where you are in a sexually revealing outfit to be put into the show. Yeah. And that's even more power than is typically had by a boss in, in any job. Yeah. And and also, you know, when you're an actor, your, your job is to like go into yourself and find the emotions that you need to express and, and dig that stuff up in front of everybody. And actors have freakouts on sets all the time. You know, you hear about your... Christian Bale melting down on set and stuff and people make fun of it but it's also kind of a has like an occupational hazard you know you're right. if you're digging into yourself and like touching your emotional third rails to get access to those things to express them on screen to make them present so that we as an audience can feel them you're raw a lot of the time right and imagining what it is like to be that raw and exposed and also to some extent, under the sway of somebody that you don't really trust with the, the charge of, like, treating that respectfully and artistically is pretty scary and uh, kind of a sad thing to think would would happen on a show that has as high of ideals as this. Yeah.
1: I think we all feel like Star Trek displays, like, an idealism that we should all seek to to achieve, and this is one of those contrast it's like a contradiction where like some of the perfections on display in this future are made by imperfect people and sometimes bad people and it's fucked up how someone like a creative executive could give cover to their terribleness by calling it a creative decision or saying like your character would do this you know like like that's such a terribly chicken shit way to be an asshole to to a co-worker yeah allegedly
0: well uh moving on from that
1: dax's headache results in her spinning off in a flirtatious way
0: it does uh, we catch up with cork who's, who's trying to hawk pens to write your sins down on those pieces of paper
1: yeah he's not so in that's... the paper business he's in the pen business
0: how many pens do you think he had there Do you think he's in the pen 15 club and then we find Miles and Keiko up in their uh, their traditional second floor quirks bar hang. And she's laying some bad news on Miles. The bad news is that they're, the expedition that she is cycled back from only briefly may go on quite a bit longer than anyone anticipated.
1: It's another element of a long-term relationship that is painful, which is the thing that is better for one person often is a sacrifice for the other or painful for the other person to accept. The idea of Keiko being gone another seven months really hurts O'Brien here. Yeah, he's like, man, I might actually have to get the runabout and
0: come visit you on the weekends like we talked about before. (laughs) And then was
1: summarily dropped for some reason.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he is not great about receiving this information. He gets petulant and... You know, I think there's a way to express what what your wants are and what your feelings are about something that don't kind of recriminate the other.
1: Sure, but but Keiko also mentioned a work husband in the context of this argument, and that should not have happened. Yeah. You got to keep that to yourself.
0: You don't have to explain away Trevor. (laughs) uh... (laughs) Yeah. while well, describing this thing that is not going great for your husband
1: yeah that's that's this thing of ours between her and Trevor
0: yeah you know they just
1: they just like to flirt around the water cooler it's it's totally chaste he's a friend a friend so that doesn't go well, neither does the discussion between Cisco and Jake in the aftermath of the major Kira pass mm-hmm. another not great dad scene for Ben Cisco. Like, of all the ways that he could discourage his son from going down this path with Kira... Like, spraying a garden hose at him? (laughs) Like, the one thing he doesn't choose to say, the one thing that no one chooses to say, is that, like, love is a two-way street, and you never want to have to convince someone to love you. Right. Like, that is never on the table at any point between any two people in this episode. But man, like, I think
0: that that's something that like all of 80s and 90s media didn't understand in a weird way. Because
1: that's core conflict. And that's like how you write a story is like what person A loves person B, but person B doesn't know or doesn't love them back. Like that's the beginning of. Yeah. Most stories. The
0: moment in college when I realized that you don't get a girl to love you by standing outside her house with a boombox over her head was like, a, like a total like, oh, you right. Know? I I really resented all media for a while after that because I was like, I feel so misled. Right. Right. I thought that girls didn't like boys until boys convinced them to like them. Yeah. And in fact, that is not at all how it works. Yeah. That's the opposite of how it works. Like you have to both like each other and then you get together and see if it works.
1: But the second one is so much harder to depict in 48 minutes Yeah, on a television show. And that's yeah. the fucked up part is right. that it's easier to do the worst thing.
0: The worst thing that is like it, it encourages like the kind of thinking that rick berman is accused of right like it starts oh, like, with
1: peppy Pew. like how many kids watched Pepe Le Pew hop his way at the lady skunk hour after hour on on saturday morning cartoons i didn't watch
0: saturday morning cartoons i just watched peppy Pew on loop <laughs> it
1: ruined me adam it was peppy Pew and foghorn leghorn that's how i learned <laughs> Those are the seduction techniques that I knew of until college.
0: <laughs> That's why when I uh, when I when it really got serious between me and my wife I said I say I say <laughs> I think I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. You really want to do this? Here. Now okay. Okay, let's do it. Speaking of like people having strong opinions about how the dynamics between men and women should be. Quark gets to uh, rail on about this a bit in the episode. O'Brien is like bumming out about the fight he's had with Keiko and Quark kind of rails on him about how uh, how the Frangies really haven't figured out.
1: You humans, you never
0: learn. You let your women go out in public. You know, really like specifically misogynistic society you, uh, you, you really like smooth over a lot of these rough edges
1: I really do like any scene that depicts old fashioned bartender advice like <laughs> the scene of Quark like cleaning out a, a glass, talking shop with O'Brien is satisfying almost every time <laughs> until he tells the story of what married life is like on Ferengar you know, that's not great How's that no. supposed to give O'Brien any peace?
0: Yeah. So what so what you're saying, Cork, is I should strip my wife of all of her
1: dignity? I feel like <laughs> O'Brien should turn to cork and be like, What the fuck are you wearing, Cork? You wearing the jacket of a retired women's club going out for Easter brunch. What the fuck is this?
0: Yeah. What are, are, what what are you trying to? What signal are you trying to send to the world that you're awesome at canasta?
1: <laughs> Everyone's off-duty clothing and hair is is I think cool and interesting. Quirk wears a bejeweled earring like commensurate with the size of his ear, and yeah, that's, and that's it, fun. It is so
0: much more elaborate than your average bejeweled earring.
1: <laughs> but the jacket combo is not good. Yeah, if that's Ferengi formal wear, I'm not a fan.
0: So all of this has been building up to a a, a big a big uh, Cisco family feast in the wardroom, and everybody's been it's like uh, it's like the the junior prom where everybody's angling for the wrong person to take to it. Oh, and, that's
1: uh, a great description.
0: And uh, you know, Borile wants it to be Dax with him, and Kira is is hurt by that. And everybody's, like, both totally infatuated with the person that they're infatuated with and totally skeeved out by the person that's infatuated with them. Like, Burail is super weird and distant with Kira all of a sudden. It's the Mexican standoff of (laughs) wanting to fuck.
1: (laughs) Everyone's pointing either dicks or tits at... At someone <laughs> <laughs> uh, <whee!
0: laughs> what a predicament. It even like makes Cisco laugh, right? Because like cause Dax is really putting the moves to him. It almost gets to the point of her like unzipping his fly. It's so she's coming on so strong. Uh, to the extent that it's like a smash cut to
1: medical readout. <laughs> 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 yeah. You know what? That is an interesting transition, isn't it?
0: <laughs> and uh, and it's Bashir going like, yeah, I, as far as I can tell, nothing wrong with her. And she's like, there's nothing wrong with me. The only thing right with me is looking at that booty,
1: <laughs> Benjamin Sisko. I want that. Avery Brooks's laugh is so great. Have I ever told you that you smell wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> you know old man i have to admit you had me going there for a minute it cuts through all of it i can't help but laugh when i hear him laugh in this character it's so much fun it's really fun (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how he does it it's great i mean look this is the sort of Ben Sisko emoting that I think we made fun of in the premiere episode as, as if it, like it wasn't a good fit or like it didn't work in that first episode. But to hear him break in this way here seems <laughs> yeah. totally earned and good.
0: I will say that like as a director directing actors, what he is doing in this episode is working. He is getting great performances out of everybody. Like, leaving leaving Six Bay, Dax is doing, like, I, I'm so excited to have introduced my new boyfriend to my dear friend, like, happy couple vibe, and he is still doing, like... God, I'm glad we solved that little problem. Like I am oblivious to the fact that she's still doing it, vibe. <laughs> and and it and it's exactly what that scene needs. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah. But the story is so dumb and preposterous, and it's like Renfair imagery, and it's a bit like a Deep Space Nine always doing bits.
1: All I do is bits, bits, bits.
0: No matter what. Kind of a problem.
1: What's a food that you pick the good stuff out of and leave the rest? Like a like a trail mix that has M and M's in it. This feels. like... I mean, I love a trail mix, but this feels like the snack mix that you take all the good stuff out of. Like there are yeah. such good moments in this terrible episode, <laughs> yeah. and that's one of them. A
0: lot of the building blocks are great. Yeah, like even O'Brien's kid is great in in the episode. Yeah, you know. Like, yeah, Molly's she only cool. Has, she only has a couple of scenes, you know, like the scene where she she yaks on his on his groin, the scene where she's playing with the pig and he sends her into the other room. She's but a
1: strong child actor and she's as young as they get for really for who we get to see on Star Trek in general.
0: She's about as young as can be like trusted with having a line that she says back. Yeah. And she does it. And that's in the in the midst of O'Brien and Keiko really being like down in the dumps with their relationship. This was like one of the, the weird parts of the episode to me because neither of them is like sprung off somebody else. Like right. neither of them is under the influence necessarily of Waxana. I guess maybe Keiko is because she was sitting next to her on the flight the entire time and it's about proximity
1: if the rule of what's happening, if if what Loxana is transmitting to other people, if the rule of that game is that you must be attracted to someone who does not share that attraction to you, I mean, there's a moment where the math of that makes sense between Keiko and, and Miles. And right. that's a little later on.
0: I mean, I think the rule is that you just have to be attracted to the first person you see that you have any latent attraction to at all. Yeah. But the conflict between them doesn't seem to be related to that at all.
1: There's a scene where O'Brien, like, leans up against the bedroom door and tells her that, like, he's going to give it all up. He's going to resign and go to Bejor and then Earth after that, if that's what it takes. Bullocks.
0: Yeah, he already left the iPad on Cisco's desk.
1: And it's heartbreaking that the voice on the other side of the door says, I just need time to think. Like, that, that lack of resolution here is pretty terrifying
0: and then O'Brien has to do that awful thing of having a lot on your mind and going to a party
1: yeah that's never fun
0: no he's like sitting in the corner feeling all his shitty feelings trying to think of a way out of it and the only person he's got to talk to is super love sprung Jake Sisko (laughs) that's not what you want
1: Loxana's headache infects Bashir and Kira And they get down to some bad, bad kissing. Like like they cannot synchronize (laughs) the opening and closing of their mouths in a weird way. This is the kissing
0: of two people that do not want to exchange any saliva if they can get away
1: with it. Which is weird because they're in a real life relationship at this point. Are they really? Like Nana Visitor, I believe, has his child... Less than a year after this. Whoa. Or something like that. I didn't know that. I had no idea that they ever got together. They kiss like two people who are trying to act like they're not in a relationship and are like (laughs) acting like they don't want to do it. Like that's sort of the vibe that I got, (laughs) which is great meta acting, I think.
0: Man. That's fun. I I had no idea that they had 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 a a real life relationship.
1: I don't know if it was generally known at the time, but it certainly turned into like a marriage and children.
0: But are they not together anymore?
1: No, I don't believe they are.
0: Hmm. So I still have a shot.
1: (laughs) I mean, get in line, man. (laughs) Line forms here. (laughs) <laughs> all right, fair enough. We say as two happily married men yeah. <laughs> who are just crushing on the Navizator at all times. You
0: know. So basically, the party is going weird as fuck. You've got Barile trying to propose to Dax. You've got Dax like loving up on Cisco. You've got Bashir and Kira sucking face in front of everybody. This is very upsetting to Jake. Keiko shows up in the aforementioned red dress which is very exciting for O'Brien. It seems like maybe like this is the resolution of their B story in some ways.
1: Yeah. Did you really mean it about turning in your resignation? Mm-hmm. Well, you better get it back before Commander Cisco sees it. Uh,
0: which is nice. And they get like a real nice, like they go in for, for close-ups when, when they go in for their for their uh, congratulatory kiss with each other where you know they put the promist filter on and they they just look so so excited to be together get to see that covetous keiko dimple and she smiles up at him
1: it was hard for me to feel great about this resolution because this had come just on the heels of like career chicken being played what yeah. do you make of like careers being used as bargaining chips in a relationship like this Feels fraught. It does feel
0: fraught. I don't think that he was doing that at her, though. I think no, he was doing no, it for I, her.
1: Yeah. I, look, I I completely agree, and that's not how I meant it. But like,
0: I, I I think that they've like if if there's career chicken, it's been on a much larger scale. Like she she made major sacrifices to be with him and come to this station, and now he's saying. I will I will now do the same for you because yeah. you've done your time and maybe it's time for us to, like, I can't be 100% priority Miles O'Brien the entire time. Yeah. We have to do things for both of us.
1: I, I realize I've been really busy on the station not looking for nerve gas, <laughs> but I'm ready to dedicate myself to you now. <laughs> I mean, it's not all Gazi reconciliation here. Like, this is a scene where Barile throws a punch at Cisco, who yeah. then gets punched out by Dax because the the sexual Mexican standoff has come to a head, and like, it's all out.
0: Yeah, Quark has shown up with with pudding, and it boils over for everybody.
1: Quark makes a pass at Keiko, that doesn't yeah. go well. I
0: need you, Keiko. <sighs> My ears tingle at the sight of you. She's about as horrified as uh, as we've ever seen her.
1: Bashir and Kira are pawing at each other in such a way that, like, it's almost Saturday Night Live-esque. Like, when they, when they do gross makeouts on that show, like, <laughs> they're, like, kissing the entirety of each other's faces. Yeah. In a comical way. It seems fun to be Bashir here.
0: Yeah, but they figure it out. The, it, all of the uh, all of the puzzle pieces fall into place, and uh, we di- There's a nice like S edit where the camera is on an outraged looking, walks on a Troy at the party. Mm-hmm. We get the uh, we get the diagnosis, and then we smash cut to six bay where Bashir is like, "Yeah, you have like a disease that is because of your telepathic powers, fucking with everybody around you."
1: Yeah, and also Cisco's like, don't go to Kira's later. Maybe give it a couple of days. Great advice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: Cisco is like, Somehow, kind of stayed above the fray in all of this, and yeah. uh, and Bashir is like, "Okay, well, off to smash the major." And uh, Siski's <laughs> so like, "Why don't Why don't you uh, take an extremely long pause on that, buddy?"
1: There's that thing he's experiencing that I feel like is a little bit familiar, which is you have a drunken makeout with someone at a party, and you assume that means like, oh, like we're gonna we're gonna like go hang out again and like see where this goes. But it's just party makeouts, and right. that's it. Like, there's nothing beyond it. And Cisco has the good sense to to recognize this in his counsel to Bashir.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely like misinterpreted party makeouts as now you're my girlfriend a couple of times in my day.
1: Yeah, that's that's a big mistake that Bashir's making here. Yeah. More, more,
0: more,
1: sweet, more, more, more. The button on the episode is a little bit of a walkthrough between uh, Luxana and Odo, wherein Loxana like, does an adult breakup with him.
0: Right. Like, for a slide whistle of an entire episode, it is so surprising to see this ultra sincere button.
1: It is so well done, and she is so great in it. Like really Odo is super immature and has been from jump about his relationship to her. And it takes Loxana to be the adult in the room and to be like, you're obviously dealing with some shit that I can't contend with. But as the adult, I'm just going to say, Hey, I really think you're great. And I'm going to be here for you. If, if you change your mind, which is a, ...form of breakup that I think is, uh, it's what you want. It's what you hope they are and so rarely become. Right. Counterpoint to that is O'Brien seeing Keiko off. They've clearly made up. And, uh, she makes it fairly clear that he still has the touch, Ben. The Keiko (laughs) touch.
0: Something about him she likes. I don't understand it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's transported himself into her heart once again... Bashir meets O'Brien, and we're sort of back to one, right? The The relationship's been reset between them. With Keiko gone, they can resume their friendship in earnest. And that's the end of the show.
0: Yeah. Did you like this episode? I'm looking at IMDb trivia right now, Adam. Armin Shimmerman's least favorite D- Deep Space Nine episode. He was barely in it. Most of the main cast considered this among their favorite episodes. Oh, really? Because it was a lighthearted departure for the season's overall story arc involving the threat of Dominion attack.
1: You need a palate cleanser, I guess.
0: Yeah. And I guess the uh, the costume department loved it because they got to kind of explore what all these people would wear in, you know, out of uniform, which yeah. is fun. Yeah. I I could totally see why a costume department would love sinking their teeth into this one.
1: You know their review. What is yours?
0: Corny as hell. (laughs) And I think that uh, the performances are all like extra fun. Like, I can see everybody having fun making this. Right. But I don't see it as being a compelling story or an interesting story or. You know, if, if it's not compelling or interesting, like, maybe it could move the plot line forward uh, in a way that felt valuable. And it doesn't do that, you know? Like, it is a, at at the very best, just a check-in between Keiko and Miles and reminding everybody that Lawaxana still exists. But I think it's better than, you know, Meridian or whatever, but it's still corny.
1: Yeah, I mean... Boy, that's, that's a withering comparison. That's faint praise right there. <laughs> I think if what's on the whiteboard for episode 10 is check-in with O'Brien and Keiko, you could do worse than this kind of palate cleanser. I've got to believe it was so much fun to do this episode with Avery Brooks as director. Like, yeah. if you're an actor and you're getting yourself into uncomfortable situations with your fellow actors... Who better to guide you through that than another fellow actor? Like, that had to be great. Um, Do we need an episode like The Naked Now over and over again? (laughs) Something that's transparently so naked now, especially? Right. There's a version of this where it's violent, where the thing that Loxana Troy is going through is a different emotion. Right. Which I think might be worth... Experiencing, but that it's so familiar for the third time is unfortunate. But like we talked about before, Ben, the good scenes in this ep are as good as anything we've seen in DS nine, which is a miracle. Yeah.
0: And the, and the miles and Keiko stuff that Avery Brooks has directed are great and really do a lot to humanize their relationship in a way that never was before yeah. he got his hands on it. Yeah. So to that extent i appreciate it
1: yeah i do too i mean i've got i i've got mixed feelings about it certainly but i but interestingly i like meridian less than this app so there you go meridian's super fucking corny (laughs) you know it's never corny ben we never find corn in the stool of our priority one messages (laughs)
0: let's check them let us do it
1: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. supplemental.
0: Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first Priority One message is of a personal nature. It is from Mike, and it is to Kristar Shrimp Kolgar. <laughs> goes like this. RSVP Frank J. Colgar Hashtag Don't forget to send the obit To this online repository For World War II vet obituaries well, Was going to text you a reminder But this is a much more Cost effective way to communicate Mock just drank Cal's last Dr. Pepper Cal says Go to hell Eckerd and Meowm Colgar Are fighting again No solid loafs Keep it liquid, rats.
1: No solid loaves? What is that supposed to mean?
0: They want to poo like you, not like me.
1: <laughs> how dare you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell if there was an actual remembrance of, a, of a, somebody who has passed in that or not, but if yeah. so, I'm very sorry to hear that.
1: Hard to know how much
0: sincerity to give that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's a weird ass P1. And I guess, uh, you know, coming from the mock slash kolgar verse, not surprising.
1: Not at all. Ben, our second priority one message is from Curtis. It is for Lisa. The message goes like this Ever since I accidentally wore my Comic Con t shirt out of the house, and an awkward preteen tried to chat me up about it, <laughs> I am no longer a little bit embarrassed to listen to a Star Trek podcast. Thanks for the disturbing life-size Spock sticker you put in my bathroom for your <laughs> uncle. <laughs> now how do? Yeah, that's... I don't... <laughs> now, how do I trick you into listening to this message? Whoa. So, let me get this straight. Curtis shares a bathroom with Lisa's uncle? Maybe Lisa was visiting
0: and she was trying to make it... Maybe, or maybe Lisa's uncle was visiting and she was... Trying to make it more festive But it also sounds like Lisa maybe isn't a listener Which right. uh, Curtis is attempting to rectify
1: But Lisa, for not being a listener Gave Curtis the life-size sticker That was put in the bathroom Right What a
0: Well, she she gave it to the, the uncle
1: What a complicated web we weave
0: Yeah, yeah Not realizing that Curtis is as much a Trek fan As her uncle, perhaps
1: Hmm. Hmm. Very complicated. Both of these messages very complicated.
0: Well, if you would like to leave something very complicated for us to puzzle through, you know what to do. You go to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron. It's hundred bucks for a personal message and two hundred for a commercial message. Gotta get that, get that. Go press that. Get Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com, promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. microdose.com, promo code SCARVES.
1: You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace.
0: topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast secretly incredibly fascinating find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app and at maximumfun.org. hey adam what's up ben did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk, drunk Shimoda! Shimoda! If
1: you wheel the episode to the time code of 20 minutes, 20 minutes on the button, you will see Balls Guy. Balls Guy acting as a transition between the exterior of Quark's Bar, where he's selling pens and the interior of Quark's Bar.
0: Yeah, we see Balls Guy more than once, right?
1: Balls Guy is... There was a time when Balls Guy was at like was at like dances and raves and stuff. Yeah. Like Balls Guy was a type of guy, and uh, I don't necessarily like Balls Guy, but Balls Guy is hilarious.: This was peak balls Guy time in the timeline, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and just seeing Balls Guy for as often as we do in this episode, uh, I mean, I'm sure Balls Guy is great in real life. But sure. like the like the circusification of this episode. I'm sure episode. he has a
0: lot of like interesting prog rock posters in his bedroom.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'm sure he smokes a lot of clove
0: cigarettes. I'm sure he has some uh, really passionate theories about what the best
1: Mars and Mystery album is. I'm sure he's the type of guy who gets to his day job back and forth on one of those weird uniballs that he like <laughs> that he like puts his feet into and rides around town on. Yeah. Yeah, balls guy. That's my Shimoda. Who's yours? Uh, my Shimoda is Keiko O'Brien. Mm. Uh, Keiko is
0: a great lady. Does something I think is kind of unforgivable mm-hmm. in this in this episode which is uh you know you you get off the airplane you go down the the jetway into the terminal and what does she do she gets right to the the precipice of the jetway and plops herself down on the steps and i understand she's tired
1: she's got molly molly is barfing yeah barfy molly not a good molly but is that that an action figure you can get (laughs) <laughs> Molly with
0: action, barf action. <laughs> but Keiko, you gotta, you gotta get out of that doorway. That's a, that's where people are trying to get off the airplane. Yeah. You're hold, you know, got a dime holding up a dollar here. <laughs> get great. out of the airlock doorway, Keiko. That is no good. Keep moving there and get out of the way. That's one B for the corollaries to the first rule of greatest gen.
1: Yeah, we're adding to the list. We've got amendments to the Constitution, Ben. Yeah. I like it. You want to uh, take a look at what our next episode
0: is, Adam? See what we got in store and and in what mind state we will be as we explore it? What it is, Ben. Well, the next episode is first of a two-parter, Adam. It is Past Tense, Part 1. It's uh, Season 3, Episode 11. En route to a symposium in San Francisco. Cisco Dax and Bashir are lost during transport to Earth from the Defiant. And another uh, major streaming platform has described it as this. A transporter accident sends Cisco Bashir and Dax 3 centuries back in time to a crucial point in Earth's history. Oh. This There's is a, a this is a famous story arc, Adam. I'm really excited about this. These I don't are, know anything
1: uh, about it. Is Whoopi Goldberg a part of this? <laughs> and uh, no, and I do believe <laughs> Mark Twain, perhaps.
0: <laughs> that is a that that would be more centuries back than uh, than we're going back. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. This is they're being set back to what is still the future for us, but is the distant past for them.
1: Oh, all right.
0: It's, this is a fun. This is a fun episode. I'm looking forward to this.
1: So you are saying I'm not welcome?
0: Never, never <laughs> are you welcome.
1: <laughs> All right, roll them bones, Ben. We're on. Uh, we're on square 19 right now. We've got a couple of a uh, couple of speed bumps ahead.
0: We've got a butthole very close. We've got a banger very close. Uh, those are the only two things that we could we could hit, but both of those potentially send us back quite a ways.
1: You're required to learn as you play.
0: Roll. I've rolled a three.
1: Tula, did I win?
0: Hardly. Which uh, skips us over the space butthole into the warm embrace of square 22, which is a regular old episode from your buddies Ben and Adam.
1: Ah, oh, those are the best. <laughs> We're on a good run of those right now, aren't we?
0: Yeah, we've stripped a lot of the quirks bars out of the game board. Yeah, because uh, you know, one in every ten episodes may be more than our li- livers can handle. Yeah, and uh, yeah,
1: how dare Never you call our viewers livers?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's uh, that's the next step, Adam. So uh, we'll be we'll be back at you in a fun and sober way with the next episode
1: that episode this episode and every episode is made possible by those that contribute to their production by going to maximumfund.org slash donate it is
0: truly painless to have five bucks a month taken out of your uh, bank account for most people and if it if it is if it is genuinely not painless to have five bucks taken out like no shame at all but if if you're the kind of person that has a bunch of subscriptions uh, here and there, and you you won't miss that five dollars. Like, please add us to the thing you contribute to monthly, because I know that this show is is making a big difference in your commute on Mondays or whatever. You know, like everybody uses it in a different way, but if you tune in regularly on a weekly basis. I know that it has value to you, and
1: we hear it all the time. We just came back from tour, and and just about everyone in line said something really sweet about how much the show means to them. And uh, yeah. if it doesn't mean that much to you, support the production of the show for the people that it that it does mean something to.
0: Yeah, uh, you go to maximumfun.org/slash/donate. There are gifts at almost all of the uh, support levels, but at five bucks a month, uh, you get access to a ton of great uh, bonus content, not just from our show, but from all of the shows on the network. So uh, I think it's I think it's a really worthwhile thing to do. and uh, it's what I do with the shows I listen to. So I encourage you to do it to do the same.
1: It's a good, good thing. Got to thank Adam Ragusia for making the interstitial music and chopping and screwing the original intro music made by Dark Materia.
0: And uh, thanks to everybody who goes on uh, Apple Podcasts and says something nice about the show and leaves a five-star review. Uh, that really helps the uh, the folks out there who are uninitiated find it.
1: Yeah, this show might not have won a Parsec Award, but it is the highest-rated Star Trek podcast on the internet. And that means something, right? Yeah. That's award-worthy. Sure
0: yeah. There's all kinds of places online. If you uh, if you use a social network, chances are there are people talking about Greatest Gen on that social network. Just search for the hashtag Greatest Gen or join the group or whatever. Uh, those are out there. And fun and well-moderated groups. Thank you to the folks that, uh, that look after those communities.
1: Indeed. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. In an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, that for some reason. Oh, fuck. <laughs> doesn't have one of the finest characters in Star Trek history in it. For good reason. <laughs> <laughs>